Good morning, City Lights. It really is uh, great to be with you. Great to be sharing with you from my lounge. Uh, this is all new to me. Normally even Bruce is behind the camera. Now there is no one behind the camera. So what I've actually done is on my TV behind the screen, which you can't see, I've got the photos from my ninth birthday. And I'm looking at photos of all of you right now. I look at Jason and Gavin Hitzeroth and Praveen and there's Nushi in the back throwing up a ribbon and uh, Alistair and just a whole bunch of people. Just amazing to see that's the first photo. Pietrus, there's tall Pietrus right at the back. And uh, then the next photo, why is this remote not working? Yeah, just amazing to see people. And I, I put that up intentionally because I just can't preach to a, a blank audience. So I'm imagining, and hopefully you can, just close your eyes for a second and imagine that there's people all around you and you're in, you're in our little uh, hall and there's, there's banter and it's fun. And, and this is just a moment for, for, for us to connect with you and for me to just connect my heart with you guys. So can we pray together? And then we're going to read the word together. And I'm going to make a few points. Hopefully it's not going to be long. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Jesus, that there's homes that are scattered across the city, Father, that, that have now become these sanctuaries, these places of worship. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're with us. Even though we are apart, Holy Spirit, you are with us. You are the comforter. And you never leave us and you never forsake us, Father. We thank you in this time that your gospel is moving forward. People's lives are being changed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts 4, we are carrying on on our series called Church on Fire. And for me, nothing's changed. We're still a church on fire. Even though we can't meet together, even though we can't um, gather in community groups, even we, we gathered in our homes and we're still a church that needs and needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we just track what had happened this year, God spoke to us clearly about it's time to step up. It's time for the new things in God. It's time to reach the lust. It's, it's all of these things. And then we went into the book of Acts. We saw God move in our meetings powerfully by his Holy Spirit. And then a few weeks later, we went into shutdown. And this is not just uh, Dubai and City Lights across the world, as you would have seen many, many uh, uh, pastors putting stuff on, on Instagram and Facebook and all these different platforms. And this, uh, this is a moment where the church is, is on fire, but we on fire in our homes. Is that cool? So I've got a simple title for my sermon today. It's called When Believers. And I have two points that are going to come right at the end. So it's really simple. Everyone can remember it's when believers pray. And when believers share, that is the two areas that I believe that God in this time is at least emphasizing in my heart, prayer, closeness to him, but also an outward looking that we get the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this time. And I'm already hearing some incredible stories of what people are doing in City Lights. Can also just say to those who have lost their jobs, had pay cuts, um, maybe lost family members, maybe you sick yourself. We're praying for you. Uh, this, is, uh, this is crazy, unprecedented times. I'm sitting alone in my room here, and I, I'm just, uh, I feel the weight of, of, of this time, the weight of, of uh, many of what you guys are going through. And I want to say, please don't be distant or silent. Uh, please reach out. We're doing our best as, as elders to reach out. We're putting some new pastoral systems in where we're trying to reach out to everyone. If you're not in a community, get connected. This is not a time to be alone. And can I say that 
the, the biggest revelation I've had in this time is that God is with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And I was sitting in our, our lounge the other morning and the twins had been getting up super early and Starla had this prophecy about Rocco and she shared it with me and I was like, ah, oh, I just started crying. And they'd worship on in the background. I was just, I was so overwhelmed that even in this time where we can't connect with people, we can't have life as usual, God's presence is so real. Hopefully you can sense him in your homes right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and move in my home? Would you come and move in my children's lives? Give us great grace in this time. John 16, 33, such a key verse that keeps coming up. I've told you these things so that in, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So no matter what we're walking through in this moment, as a community, we, have, we can trust that Jesus has overcome the world. And because of that, we are in Christ and we can have peace in the most turbulent circumstances. But we are not called to do this alone, as I've said. We have the Holy Spirit, not only that, but we have a community of people that you can reach out to. Just before we read the text in Acts 4, Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And we're going back into Acts. We're carrying on as usual because we look at the Bible and we say, in, in, in these, the pages of this Bible, then we can find hope and we can find peace. So Acts 4, verse 1 to 4. I'm not going to read the whole of Acts, just different parts of it. Sorry, not the whole of Acts 4, just different parts of it. So I want to read this. It says, the title in my Bible says, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. So Acts 4, 1. Uh, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. First comment there, but it's not even a point, this is just a bit of an introduction to this text is that in the time of persecution and opposition, the church is at its finest. I read a stat recently uh, that they say that this past Easter attendance went up 300% from Easter in the past. I don't know how true that is. We're going to try to find out some more clearer, clearer stats. But for me, this is a moment where the gospel has gone out in power. And we've, we in our church have alone seen... Uh, on Easter, we saw 18 people saved. The week before with John Bevere, there were 28 people saved. That is 46 people saved. Our maths is amazing. I did, yeah, I did fail it at school, but anyway, I, I figured it out now. And that's, there's 46 people that have now come into the kingdom of God, maybe more. Maybe they didn't press the little, I raised my hand. Maybe they've had a change of heart over these past few weeks. And this is an amazing thing where that Peter and John were thrown in jail and at the same time, 5,000 people came to know Jesus and they believed and they began to follow Jesus. And this is unprecedented times, but also unprecedented times for the gospel. And if you go down to Acts 4.13, you can go read the rest of Acts uh, by yourself. Um, Acts 4, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished and they took note that these men had been 
with Jesus. Now, these uh, teachers of the law would have spent every waking moment from about 12, 13 years old learning the law, reciting it, discussing it. So when they looked at these fishermen uh, and these, these men who from Galilee came into to Jerusalem, they, it says they were unschooled and ordinary. But I love what they, they even noticed. They said that these, they took note that these men had been with Jesus and they were full of courage. And my, my second comment in this time is that we, we need courage. We need courage to get through the next few weeks. We need courage to get through the next few months. Some of your parents are sitting at home with your kids. You need courage to homeschool. You need courage to not go crazy that you can't leave your front door. You need courage. And I love what it says that they had courage because they were with Jesus. It also says something about who Jesus was, is that Jesus was obviously known as a courageous man. Clearly that he went and he died on the cross for us. We've just celebrated Easter. But they saw that same courage in Peter and John that Jesus had. And when the world is looking at us in this time, are they going to see the same courage in us, in you and I, that Peter and John had in that time? Billy Graham, classic quote. Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. We need to be courageous in our, in our speech, what, what we say. We need to be courageous around our families. And there's going to be moments of weakness. I get, I get that. But we need, to, we need to start our days being with Jesus so we can have that courage in our hearts to say, no matter what comes, we may have had a pay cut. We may have lost our jobs. Jesus is still on the throne and he's still looking after us and we can trust him in this time. And that brings me to my first point. So those are just a few little introductory thoughts on that text. Please go read Acts 4 by yourself this week. It's an incredible, incredible text. So my first point is when believers pray. Acts 4, 23 to 31. I'm going to read a few scriptures out of there, skip out a few. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. And they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens uh, the, and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Amazing scripture. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. There's boldness and courage again. Stretch out your hands to perform. To heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Credible scripture. But I see two sides of prayer to this. And I'm just going to pick out a few thoughts. But I love that they went back to their own people and they gave testimony. But then their first cry was that they, they just prayed about the sovereignty of God. They prayed that God in all of this knows what is happening. And, uh, and, if, and the amazing thing, I think what, what we're learning through all of this, if God is teaching us something, is that we are not in control. No government is in control. No uh, billionaire, no hospital, no one has answers, but we can trust Jesus, because this isn't the first time in history that there's been disasters. Look at the Spanish flu a hundred years ago. You look at the plagues that have, that have rocked the world. And in amongst that, the church stood strong. And will we stand strong in this time? And I think the biggest thing is realizing that we are not in control. As a pastor, 
I'm not in control. I wish we could be together. I wish we could do stuff. And, and I realized this, that my prayers have taken on a whole new level and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with that family. I trust you with what is happening in this time. I trust you. And we have to have the posture of trust in this time, knowing that Jesus is in control. He's sovereign. He's working out his plan in and through all of this. God always works out his plan in and through these moments of pain and suffering. And it just brings his kingdom of God in, into that place. We don't know the future, but Jesus does. As much as prayer shifts, atmospheres, ends viruses, sees people set free, and that's, that's the face out of prayer, we have to also understand that sometimes that prayer needs to come back to a place where we learn how to trust and we relinquish control to our Father in heaven. Our family, our finances, and our future are on His hands. Can I encourage you today? Like, no matter what your bank account is looking like, no matter what bad news you've heard, Jesus, you can still trust Jesus in these times. And I believe prayer should be the great exchange. And I haven't got this right in my life all the time, but I'm slowly, slowly getting there. We need to come to God and, and we can say stuff like this, my hopelessness for His hope. When we pray, my anxiety becomes, sorry, my anxiety for His peace, my fear for His courage, my timidity for His boldness. The Lord's Prayer is amazing. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We have a Father who loves us and He's in heaven and He's in utter control. And I'm only realizing that now when I've got my two little twins, Rocco and Raya, is just the Father's love. And I will do anything for these twins. I still, every night, go check. I hold their chest. Are you breathing okay? Are you breathing okay? And I mean, maybe I need to learn to trust Jesus a bit more. But anyway, I'm on a journey. I'm not perfect. But uh, I will do anything for those kids. I will do anything to fight and defend them. And how much more does our Father in heaven? It's amazing in the scriptures. It says, go into the room, close the door, because your Father sees in secret. And I think the other side of, of prayer, as much as there needs to be declarative prayers, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but there needs to be prayers that just settle our heart, that we get quieter. I think the AC went off in that moment. Okay, you can clearly see I'm still distracted. Nothing's changed, church. And um, it's, again, lost my train of thought. We need, to, we need to get quieter before Jesus. We need to quieten our hearts before Him. I've been watching Chef's Table. One of the things I've been slightly binge watching, amazing. I've seen a lot of it before, but it's very cool to go look again. And there's this restaurant in Girona where the, the, there's three brothers that own this restaurant and the third brother started as a pastry chef and he's just world renowned and he's just amazing. And about a year before they filmed, he actually lost his voice to laryngitis and he can only kind of talk, talk very softly now in a very kind of husky tone. And um, he, he, was, he was just saying this and he goes, he says, I've had to learn a lot. He says, you learn a lot when you're quiet. Can we take a moment to be quiet before Jesus? Can we take a moment to dig into his word, to seek him like we've never sought him before, to go and look at the scriptures like John 15, that we learn to abide in Jesus. Without him, we cannot do anything. Maybe God is teaching us this in this time, is that we can get on busy with so many different things, but we will only ever see the fruit that God has for us is if we learn to spend time alone with him in the quiet. As an extrovert, that is quite difficult for me, I must admit. It's, it's difficult to, to just to be alone at times. I had a moment yesterday where I was 
kind of feeling a bit heavy and it's like, oh, I just miss people. I miss giving a little side hug, an awkward hug. We will have those times together. Let's just pray that it goes sooner rather than later. And uh, just the thing about declarative prayer, and you'll see in Acts, these amazing prayers that literally shake nations. Um, when, when we found out, or before we, were, we were found out we were pregnant, God gave me a whole bunch of scriptures that I needed to clear over Starla and over the children. And I, and I did it literally every day for like nine months, just prayed pray these prayers, memorized them. And I, was, and I was just thinking one day, like I thought God speak to me and say, then you need to be praying about this virus in the same way. You need to find the scriptures that speak about my goodness, speak about me work, my plan working, all of this. You see, speak about me that I can, that I'm stronger and more powerful than all of this and begin to declare it into the atmosphere. We need to have declarative prayers in this time. So we need to find peace, but we also need to declare. If you look at Acts and, and what happened in prayer, Acts 1 and 2, they prayed and they were filled with the spirit and with fire. Acts 4, the place where they were was shaken. Acts 10, they prayed and the Gentiles were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 12, took this from Rory Dyer, uh, and he says, uh, he just texted me the one day, he's like, I believe you're going through the book of Acts, here's some thoughts, and he goes, he says his favorite verse is Acts 12, starts with Herod on the throne, James dead, and Peter in prison, again. Then it says, but the church prayed earnestly, and it finishes with Peter free, Herod dead, and the word of God on the throne. That's what we're trusting in this time, that the prayers of the saints, that the prayers of the saints worldwide, prayer has gone up exponentially in the church. And we need to be part of that. Get involved on a Wednesday prayer meeting. Spend time every day declaring the promises of God over your family. Pray for the end of the coronavirus. But pray that also in this, that God will just keep working his plan out through in and through the church into the world. And my second and final point is this. When believers share, I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to give a few comments and then we're going to pray together. When believers share, point two, Acts 4 verse 32 to 37, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace, uh, and God's grace was so powerfully work, uh, uh, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there was no needy persons among them. For, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Just look at some of these statements. No one claimed possessions as their own. They shared everything. There was great power. God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. No needy among them. They sold land and they placed it at the apostles' feet. They distributed to all who had need. And in this time, it's time for us to look outwards. We're going to have on our website just a, a bunch of areas where you can give and sow into in this time, where it's not only locally, but uh, in two, two or three different nations of the world that we have a relationship where we can see a marked difference in people's lives because of the city lights people. I want to read out of Acts 11.27, but first I'm going to drink some water. Acts 11.27. During this time, some of the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 
One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. Isn't that amazing? Uh, uh, this prophet gets up and prophesies. And I can tell you if a prophet came today and did that, he would probably be hammered by the church. You're like, no, you must speak the goodness of God. Don't, don't tell us what's, what all the bad stuff that's going to happen. He was just stating facts that a severe famine is going to come across the whole Roman world. We, that's the whole known world is going to be affected by something that was out of their control. Sounds familiar. But look, what is their response? Did they complain about, oh, is this the judgment of God or did they... What is their response? It says that they provided help as each one was able. Our response in this time is to share. Share the gospel, share our possessions, share food, share money. We, we are, I honestly believe as we started to go through Acts and looked at Acts 242 to 47, where it says there were no need amongst them. That is what I want to see in our community. I don't want to have one person in City Lights where, there's, where we, they're sitting with an incredible need. We want to be a church that is sowing, that is giving, and we want to look at our friends that are in Sri Lanka and in South Africa and different parts of the world where we can be an absolute blessing. Look how to bless in these times. And even if your finances have gone, you cannot afford not to bless others in this time because this is a time of sowing in tears and we will reap in joy. I want to read out of... Isaiah 58, and then we're going to land. Isaiah 58 is a scripture about fasting, and it's God almost saying, this is the kind of fast that I want. And we, in a, we are, in a sense, in a fast. We're, we're in a fast of we can't just get up and go to the mall. We can't live our lives as we usually do. We, we're restricted in many ways in our homes. But look at what God says when we fast. It says, is this not the kind of fast that I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share the food uh, with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. This is a time for us to look upward. It's a time for us to, to pray, to seek God like we never have before, to be to to be on our knees praying and worshiping. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are all powerful. Thank you, Lord God, that we also get to to partner with you to see a change on this earth. And I pray, Lord God, I just, I pray over every single City Lights person right now, from they're sitting in their homes there, to their kids, to, to whatever they're having to deal with, their finances, Father, I pray your life over them. I pray your peace over them. I pray your joy over them. I pray, Lord God, even in this this time of uncertainty, Lord God, we can be certain because our faith is pinned to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We'd love to see you guys next week. Just uh, join us on Instagram, Facebook, Midweek Prayer. We're going to be posting up a bunch of stuff to keep you encouraged. We love you and we miss you. See you next week.